As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Welcome back to the Big Football Show, the Athletics Daily Big Ten Football Podcast. This is Bill Landis. I cover Ohio State, joined by Audrey Snyder, who covers Penn State. Audrey, Ohio State is in the national championship. Who would Just have like we thought, right? Just like we thought. Um, Bill, it's been a heck of a start to the new year in the Big Ten, um, notably because I would not – I mean, I coming into this year, I thought Ohio State – would win the Big Ten East. I thought they'd make the playoff, but I was kind of, that was where I, I probably like many people thought that's where it was going to end. Mm-hmm. Uh, so not only did they win, but they handed it to Clemson. I mean, that to me was crushed the, them. That was the emphatic surprising part of all of this was like Justin Fields looked like the better quarterback on that night, at least on that night. He absolutely did. Um, it was it was surprising in a lot of regards, and, and I, I want to dig in on on some of that with you. Uh, anyone who's listening who's not an Ohio State fan or list, or interested, I guess, in the national championship, like we're not going to talk much about the rest of the Big Ten bowl results. You can go back and listen to Monday's episode with Nicole Auerbeck and Scott Dockerman. They broke down the Big Ten bowl results. Um, I do at some point would like to talk about Indiana throwing some shade at its own conference by not putting the Big Ten logo on its jerseys for the Outback Bowl. Bill, but we, there's we, only so much time in one podcast. We previewed that a couple weeks ago before Christmas, before the New Year. We said, you know what? If we were Indiana, we would tell the Big Ten to shove it. I believe those were our exact words. Yes. And they did. They must be listeners of the show. They did, but then they lost. It's like, I wish they would have done that yeah. and won. <laughs> <laughs> they yeah, well, it was like a half statement. Yeah. Yeah. They were playing with an injured quarterback and whatever. Bowl results don't really matter. But it would have been nice to see Indiana do that um, and win. So it was that was the Big Ten's bowl game loss. Wisconsin won, Northwestern won. And Ohio State won 49 to 28 against Clemson in the Sugar Bowl in the college football playoff semifinal. They'll play Alabama on January 11th in the national championship in what I believe is technically Miami Gardens, Florida, Hard Rock Stadium former home of, uh, of your Florida Marlins. Um, Audrey, we're, that that game was playing out on Saturday, or excuse me, last Friday night um, in New Orleans. How surprised were you by what was unfolding in front of your eyes? 
I was very surprised. I was at home in my parents' basement, so a fitting spot for me to be uh, this time of year with Penn State well into the offseason. Um, but, I mean, as I'm watching it, I'm thinking, whoa, Justin Fields is making one play after the next. And and then, though, Bill, part of me says, oh, my God, like, are we watching something legendary right now or are we watching something absolutely insane? Because the hit that he took, I mean, he's grimacing, he gets up, and I'm like, I don't know if I should be like, you know, cheering this guy on to come out and keep playing like this, or if I should be worried for him, you know, um, just as a fan of college football, I didn't know what to think, you know. Um, but yeah, Ohio State to me, it was remarkable. I mean, you talk about a well-oiled machine and often so many times we talk about that with Alabama uh, and rightfully so, but what Ohio State was able to do, I was blown away. And we always talk so much about recruiting and I'm sure we will this offseason, too. Everybody else in the Big Ten East, good luck trying to catch up now because what we saw Friday night, whatever night it was, Bill, we don't know our days anymore. Whatever we saw that night, that was special. I came into this year um, with the late start and and the shortened season, and I think we might have talked about this maybe in our first show whether or not Ohio State was going to like come out in, in Death Star mode, and, and they mm-hmm. didn't. Um, there was some stuff on the defensive side where they were giving up big plays. They were throwing the ball great, but they weren't running it all that well. And then toward the end of the year, they were running it really well, but Justin Fields was, was not playing all that great. And the defense was just kind of kind of milling about, not, not looking like it was making great strides, but they weren't playing great teams either, so it was hard to tell. This was Death Star mode. This was, uh, mm-hmm. I, think, I think, as good as you can hope for from Ohio State's defense that still has a lot of flaws, and, and Alabama's going to test those too. But, man, that offense, the, the Trey Sermon's renaissance. I don't even, I don't know what the hell yeah. happened to that guy. Like he's he's unbelievable. Their offensive line's playing great. Justin Fields played the best game of his career. They got Chris Olave back. Garrett Wilson um, has has been doing what he did on Friday all year. Had a big play down the field. The tight ends were more involved as as receivers um, than they have been at any point prior to that, really at any point, like prior in the history of Ohio State for at least going back a decade, they don't throw the ball to the tight end all that often. They had three touchdowns against Clemson. It was, and I thought Ryan Day called a great game. It was, it was like maximum Ohio State. And I think what's interesting moving forward is like, can they get there again and do it against Bama and, and, and beat Alabama? Maybe we can talk about that in a minute, but, but just to like appreciate what they did against Clemson like that, I, I don't think you'll, you'll see a team click the way that Ohio State was clicking in that game. And that, yeah, to, to your point, Bill, the, the Death Star mode, that is a great way to put it because so much of and we had this conversation earlier this year, it was like, it was okay, well, you know, we'd like to see more from this defense, right? We wanted to see what would have happened with Maryland and all these kinds of things. None of that mattered. You know, it didn't seem to matter how many games they played in this wacky regular season to get there. They were clearly the better team, the most dominant team, but to me, it's it's the Justin Fields factor. Um, you know, we always, and this is, I think, any level of football, right? We always overhype the quarterback. If they lose, it's the quarterback's fault. Uh, if they win, it's, you know, the quarterback gets all kinds of praise. But Justin Fields deserves every single bit of the praise, you know, this week for that game. I think when Ohio State fans think back on this season, whatever happens next week, who knows? But when they think back on this season, even years from now, Bill, I'm not just talking next year. I'm talking about five, ten years from now. You're going to think back on that night, that game. And to me, that was Fields, regardless of what happens, he cemented his legacy right there. Um, 
And we'll see because some awards get handed out, Bill, because it's always award season mm. in college football. But a very important award gets handed out uh, Tuesday night. And uh, we'll see if Mr. Fields gets any love uh, for the Heisman. I'm not sure, given that it's a regular season award, uh, the postseason votes were already well in before this deadline. But I think it would be a curious conversation or an interesting conversation if the voting took place in the postseason. Uh, would that maybe have changed some things? I don't know. I don't know. I think it's it's fun to to, to ponder. I, I I have always thought you're you're a Heisman voter, right? I am, yes. Yeah, I, I, and I am as well. And you always have to get your ballot in the Monday after the conference championship weekend. And I've always thought that it would make more sense to send that in after the entire season's over. Because especially in a year like this where the race, it seems like very close, mm-hmm. um, the, the information you would have gotten from bowl season or the playoff or the national championship could have really swayed the, the direction of the voting. And and I don't know, Justin Fields, I think at a time, maybe looked like the front runner a little bit with the way he kind of came out of the box to start the season. And then the game he had against Indiana with the three interceptions and he threw two against Northwestern and, and just didn't play well at all overall in that game. Like he, he fell out of favor with Heisman Trophy voters. Um, and I we're not supposed to say who we voted for, but I can tell you I didn't vote for Justin Fields. Um, mm-hmm. I didn't either. Yeah, and – so I, I don't know if what happened against Clemson would have been enough to get him into the top three just, just on its own. But it does – like the Heisman Trophy for me is supposed to, in, in, at least in some way, like help tell the story of the college football season and to like eliminate the biggest games of the year from the decision-making process just seems like very odd to me. So I don't know, yeah. I don't know why you wouldn't want to have those kind of games. Again, like I'm not, I'm not getting on my soapbox saying Justin Fields should win the Heisman. But I think we should give these guys who were in contention every single opportunity possible to to show themselves worthy of it because he looked like a Heisman Trophy caliber player uh, against Clemson. There's no doubt about it. He was on the field with Trevor Lawrence, who was a finalist, and he was a better quarterback in that game. Yeah, to, to me, there was no doubt about it um, when you look at it. But yeah, I don't understand why. I mean, I get it, a regular season award, you do it this way. But to me, that'd be like, you know, it's the same thing. You look at the NFL with MVP awards, right? Uh, who is your most valuable player? And, oh, yeah, by the way, if they're your most valuable player, chances are pretty darn good they're going to be playing for something meaningful in the postseason. And especially given the weird, small, you know, dilapidated sample sizes this year, uh, that would have been helpful to extend the voting, at least in my mind. Um, but, yeah, we'll we'll see what happens with, with the Heisman. But uh, I don't know, Bill. You're going to get a, a look at quite a few finalists up close and in person uh, next week. I am. Devontae Smith, Mac Jones, Najee Harris, Justin Fields will all be on the same field. That's going to be crazy, and I fully expect there to be uh, offensive fireworks in that game. I don't I don't think we're going to see much in the way of defense yeah. in the national championship, and and I think it, it actually might be like the first team to 50 wins, um, and I think both <laughs> of these teams are, are equally capable um, of getting there. Uh, but before maybe we talk a little bit more about that, Audrey, I, I do want to get your thoughts on something you mentioned earlier with Justin Fields and the, the hit that he took uh, from James Skowski to Clemson linebacker. It was like a, a helmet shot to like the back and the ribs, and it was nasty. And Justin stayed down for a while. He left, missed one play, came back, threw a touchdown pass, and then went back into the injury tent and then came out on the next drive and he played the rest of the game and he threw six touchdown passes against 16 completions. Like, he was awesome. Very Play- casual, yeah. Playing, playing very sore. You could tell he was sore. He, like, sat down and he, like, grunted as he sat down for his post-game Zoom thing. Um, but he said 
he said that he didn't get a diagnosis when he was asked, like, what was wrong with him. He said, like, oh, I didn't get a diagnosis. And then he said, like, I got a couple shots and went back onto the field. And people have not surprisingly sort of grabbed onto that. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I think at least my opinion is, like, tried to make a little more of that than it is. Uh, that that to me is like that's football. Like football is dirty, <laughs> and <laughs> and Justin Fields is like letting us in on the secret. But it shouldn't have been a secret to anybody. These guys play hurt all the time. These guys are getting shot up with pain yeah. pain numbing things all the time, or anti inflammatory stuff all the time, just so they can go out there and play a game. And in college, uh, the case of college athletes, like get to play a game and not get paid for it. So like I'm not saying any of that is okay. But I also don't want to pretend like what Justin Fields did on Friday is like anything that's out of the normal for college football in general because like that's what it is. And if you have a problem with it, then you have a problem with college football and that's fine. But I don't know why that's like – Justin Fields is high profile, but it seems like now like everyone's suddenly very interested in this when it's like this happens literally every week in college football. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice – Quick strategic thinking is crucial, and with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown, and through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. Yeah, and it's because of the stage, right? It's because of the stage. Everyone's watching. It's it's the magnitude of it uh, that brings it to everybody's attention. But you're absolutely right. I mean, the injury part of college football, to me, is always what makes it so bizarre because... Uh, and every team handles it differently, and I think that's something that listeners have to have to understand. If if they don't, um, for example, like Penn State, we they do not acknowledge injuries unless they're season ending. Um, so, for example, like... Penn State's one starting cornerback missed six games this year, warmed up every single week. And we still, to this day, have no idea what was wrong with the kid because we haven't been able to talk to him. <laughs> so it's like, you know, you have all these different layers uh, with injuries. But when that hit happened, and again, Bill, this is, as I'm sitting there, I'm like, okay, he's clearly in pain. Oh, you hate to see this. What does this do to Ohio State? But then my first reaction, and this is maybe just me as the the hardened football watcher, right? Like you're concerned for the kid, no doubt. But I'm thinking, okay, well, why don't they go in and like try to shoot him up before the half, right? right. Get a jump start on halftime. Um, and that's right to where my, my mind went. And yeah, it's a vicious, vicious game. And you talk about long-term health implications. And I'm not bringing, not this hit in particular, but any play, any day, uh, in this sport, and that's why it's so jarring and so alarming. But yeah, in a game like this, with everybody watching, those kinds of hits, those kinds of plays get magnified. And I think that's also where players kind of get labeled and get tagged down the road, right? Like, yep. Justin Fields is going to go into NFL draft season with everybody and their mom talking about that game and how tough he was and how resilient he was. And you could probably build point to three or four other instances in his career where you say, man, he just got clobbered and came back and threw a hell of a ball. 
You know, like it's just, but everybody's going to point to that game. I get it, the magnitude. Um, but yeah, it was a, it was definitely one of those moments where you say, okay, yeah, reminder, newsflash, if in case you forgot because you're enjoying this, you know, this crazy game, it's very violent, it's vicious. Um, these are young adults play, playing this game. Yep. I mean, that's the other side of it too. Um, but yeah, no doubt about it. Justin Fields played his ass off. And I, again, Bill, the case study there is going to be down the road. How many other teams, how, how would things be different? I'll frame it this way. How would things maybe be different for Ohio State if they didn't have Justin Fields? Yeah, we'll never know. We'll never know. Um, maybe Tate Martell will be Ohio State's quarterback. That would be fun. Oh it? come uh, on, Bill. <laughs> no, he would not. I can tell you right now, he would, he would not be. <laughs> Definitely not. Um, it is funny. I'm wondering uh, if if James Franklin had the the Sugar Bowl on and was kicking himself a little bit. Although they didn't really do yeah. anything to lose Justin Fields. I think Justin Fields just like they Jumped got him way too early. Yeah, they got him before he blew up. Um, and then he went to the Elite 11 and the opening and became, in some people's eyes, the best quarterback in the country. Trevor Lawrence ended up number one, but Justin Fields was right there. And um, they just got him early. And it's hard. It's hard when you get a kid early and then he blows up the way he did and he's not really in your geographic footprint. Um, and then he just decided to stay home. Like, that's not, would have been nice for Penn State to keep him, but that's also a difficult thing to do, I think, when a kid's profile gets gets to be that big. So, not not to rub salt in the wound of, uh, of Penn State fans who just saw their team go, what, four and five this year? It was rough, Bill. It's been it's been a long yeah. year around here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So sorry, sorry about that, uh, Penn State fans. Uh, Justin Fields has shown a knack for this. He he finished the last season um, on a on an injured knee. Was wearing like an offensive lineman's like big bulky brace on his knee um, against Michigan and against Wisconsin in the Big Ten championship, and then in, in the Fiesta Bowl against Clemson. And, and I think that limited him. Uh, this injury, whatever it was that he suffered against Clemson in, in the Sugar Bowl. Uh, I think had him sore when he was throwing the ball, I think impacted the way that Ryan Day called the game in terms of running him. I think maybe they would have ran him more, but they were also ahead by a lot. So it wasn't the kind of game where I think they had to run Justin to win. They just they got up by three mm -hmm. scores and kind of kept throwing the ball down the field and running with Trey Sermon, and it was fine. Um, Justin Fields did not do a scheduled Zoom call with us media folk on Monday. He Ooh. was replaced by Trey Sermon. Um, I think that is nothing other than Justin Fields not wanting to sit down in front of a computer and answer 15 questions about how he's feeling. Um, I have every reason <laughs> to believe he's going to play against Alabama and every reason to believe that he's fine. Um, he's sore for sure, um, but but I don't think it's anything lingering that, that's going to impact him or, or certainly anything that's that's going to keep him out of the national championship against Alabama. Didn't want to talk to you, Bill, on Zoom. I mean, you and the rest of the beat, that's a little surprising. Yeah, he was uh, he was kind of um, surly, I would say, going into the uh, Sugar Bowl when he had his media availability. And I don't know, he had injured his thumb in the Big Ten Championship, mm -hmm. and that was a pretty big uh, point of discussion. And also, it was like Justin Fields versus Trevor Lawrence again. And they both got asked a million questions about that last year. So I think those two things combined – I think the anticipation of ask, answering questions about those two things combined kind of put Justin in a bad mood. And also, like, he hadn't been playing well, and I think they didn't really want to talk about why he hadn't been playing well. He just, like, wanted to go play and show everyone. So he wasn't in a great mood going into the game. Um, he was fine for the most part afterward, um, but then he, he he knew what he was walking into if he sat down for, for a Zoom call on, on Monday. So I don't really blame him. There's only so many different ways you can say, like, I'm going to be fine for the game. So, um, and then in inevitably somebody will ask him about the NFL as well because it seems like there's a you always get that regardless, uh, and that usually does not end well. 
in general. Right, right. So he's supposed to talk later this week um, for the the virtual media days for the national championship. So I would assume he'll do that. I don't, I don't think he can get out of that. But this was like a head coach and MVPs from the playoff semifinals um, spoke on Monday. And, and one of the interesting things, and Ryan Day got asked this, and, and I think it's one of the fascinating storylines in this game, and I'm interested in, in your uh, opinion on it, Audrey, is Ryan Day going up against Nick Saban. And Ryan Day sort of standing – but you mean coach, coach Nick Saban. Coach Nick Saban, yeah. King, King Saban, yeah. whatever, you, whatever you call him. <laughs> yeah. Our Lord and Savior, Nick Saban. Um, <laughs> God, that was so ridiculous. Um, Ryan Day, uh, second-year head coach going up against Nick Saban in the national championship. And I think Ohio State fans, like, we're pretty sold on Ryan Day from the jump. And I remember um, our colleagues, Stu Mandel and Bruce Feldman, like, put out, like, their top 25 coaches in college football. And when they did it last year – Maybe it was coming into this year, like Ryan Day wasn't on it because they just had like a minimum threshold of being a head coach for two years. And and this is only Ryan Day's second year th- this this season. So I think that made sense. But what what is your view, I guess, on Ryan Day's standing in college football? Certainly if he beats Nick Saban, it, it will change. But even right now, having gotten Ohio State to this point, what, what do you think of him? It's incredible. And you you know, I think the big thing everybody else in the Big Ten was hoping was hoping for is Life after Urban, right? They're going to take a step back. It's going to give all these other teams a chance to step up. But, Bill, and obviously they always go so hand-in-hand, but the on-field product and the way Ohio State is recruiting, I mean, those are two things that every head coach is tasked with doing, and he's doing it at an incredibly high level right now. But what would be a lot of fun, at least for us to talk about all offseason, if they beat Alabama – is there maybe a little shift going on there, a little changing of the guard? Because then he's got to, I mean, to me, in my mind, he's in the same com- conversations with Dabo right now, mm-hmm. right? And you look at what they did last week, say, okay, but is he going to be inching close to Saban territory if they win? Um, to me, that that gets really interesting. And obviously Saban isn't getting any younger, um, although Coach Nick Saban, Nick Saban, King Saban will probably outlive all of us. Um but, yeah, to me, I mean, Ryan Day, what he's done has been tremendous. I always go back to, and I probably shouldn't say this because his head won't fit through the door the next time we see him in person, probably in 2023. Hmm. But I always go back to Ari Wasserman's profile on Ryan Day a couple years ago um, in New Hampshire and what he was able to get out of that story and just the person that Ryan Day is and his upbringing. I always point back to that. So I will plug that story, Bill. Did you enjoy that story? My I way. did. My my favorite part was the part about the chicken fingers, but the whole thing was yeah. good. <laughs> yeah, it was a great story. And I think, you know, if uh, listeners haven't read it, we can, uh, I'm sure we'll share it or have Ari share it, self-promote him a little bit. Um, but yeah, it's it's worth the read because to me, I always like finding out these people, who they are, what makes them tick. And Ryan Day, to me, it's like, this guy is has more than arrived. And how old is he, Bill? 41. Like yeah, okay. Yeah. So, I mean, he's got staying power, right? Like, you got to figure things are going to be rolling there for a very long time. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So, whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So, download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, price line. 
Yeah, he's 41. He just turned 41 in March. Um, the, the thing with Ryan, it, and it happened It happened this week, um, his name is going to keep coming up with NFL stuff um, mm-hmm. because he was in the NFL for two years. He was Chip Kelly's quarterback's coach with the Eagles and the 49ers. Ryan Day's not really an NFL guy. He spent he spent 98% of his career um, in, in college, and he had two two seasons, like less than two years, two calendar years total in the NFL. But he does have that experience. I think people view his offense as, as something that can work in the NFL. And I think he has the demeanor to be successful in the NFL, but I don't anticipate him leaving Ohio State anytime soon. Not, not with the way this program's recruiting. And that, that's like the crazy thing about this. Like Urban Meyer won his national title in 2014, and I'm writing a story about this for later later in the week. Um, Urban Meyer won his national title in 2014 with a with a 2013 recruiting class that was sophomores and really good, and they came back the next year and they were they were the most talented team in college football, but didn't win at all. Uh, but they didn't really see the residual impact of winning that title until two years down the road, at least. The 2017 recruiting class and 18 recruiting classes were really good. Ryan Day is is on the precipice of winning a national title, and I think his team is capable of doing it. And he is signing ridiculous recruiting classes. Mm-hmm. Like this is not slowing down. There's no build up to some to to like another level of recruiting. They're they're there. They're they're recruiting classes that are rivaling to be number one in the country and and better in some regards than the classes that Urban signed in 2017 and 18. And and he's getting the quarterbacks on top of that. So this is like step one for Ryan Day. This is not. Um, like an, an ending for him at all, or like a step to the NFL or anything like that. Like I think mm-hmm. he's got a legitimate shot to win a national title right now, and I and Ohio State's got some serious, serious staying power with how this program is recruiting. Even though Justin Fields is going to be leaving after this year. I mean, to me, Bill, that's the you know you always from at least from my vantage point from you know you look at Ohio or you sorry you look at Penn State and it's always okay. How can they catch Ohio State? What can they do? And I always go back to the chicken and egg thing, right? You got to have an elite quarterback, and more often than not, how do you get an elite quarterback? Well, you got to be in these big time games. You got to have these marquee games. You got to be putting guys into the NFL left and right. And Ohio State is checking every one of those boxes. Um, I mean, and then you know, if you're a recruit, not only can you look at Justin Fields and what he's doing and all the NFL talent on that roster, but then you turn your TV on on Sunday and you see what Chase Young is doing. You know, and to me, it's just there's so many guys, right? And then maybe you flip the channel and you see Ezekiel Elliott. And it's just the the pipeline to me is incredible. That's what keeps, in part, that's what keeps the recruiting going, the on-field product, his offense, the way it's operating, the quarterbacks. I I just, I don't know what the rest of the Big Ten is going to do, Bill, because as we've seen time and time again with college football, it's more of the same at the top. The rich keep getting richer. And that to me is where Ohio State is now firmly entrenched in that, Top, 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 top echelon right now. Okay, so let's end here. Um, I'm, I'm going to give my game pick later in this week on 4 to 6th A&B or Ohio State podcast. But since uh, this is the last time we'll be talking with you, Audrey, in podcast form anyway, um, oh you, don't, you don't have to give a pick. I'm not going to put you on a spot and say make a pick in this game. But I'm just curious about how you feel about Ohio State's ability to beat Alabama based off what you just saw in the Sugar Bowl. I think you're absolutely right about shootout. Um, I, I, the Ohio State defense is what would give me pause. Um, but it, you look at it and you say, okay, well, <laughs> Justin Fields, the way he's playing, the way they're running the ball right now, uh, they can put up a lot of points too. To me, it's just – it's going to sound so simplistic, Bill, but somebody's going to have a turnover or two in this game. And if Ohio State can be that team to create those takeaways, they just might surprise everybody. But I also wonder – Right, they've got to have a lot of momentum right now, considering what happened last week. Um, yep. Alabama, Notre Dame. I mean, that game got 
pretty boring in a hurry, to be honest. Um, I mean, I kept my attention. I kept watching because what the heck else was I going to do? But uh, to me, that game got boring in a hurry where it was more enjoyable to see Ohio State kind of figure itself out in that game, right? To me, I felt like it was like, oh, shit, like they're believing that they can do this now, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, Maybe that's me reading too much into it as you watch them freaking torch Clemson. But um, I do think that they've got a really good shot. Uh, They've got a shot at an upset. If I was to make a pick today, um, a shade less than a week out from the title game, I'd probably lean in favor of Alabama. But I'm really curious, as is everyone, uh, what Justin Fields is going to be like this week, health-wise, those kinds of things. What's the pain he's in? Because you know Alabama's going to probably, I would imagine, be bringing a lot of heat early to try and get a hit or two on him to see if they can maybe, you know, give themselves a better chance uh, without that quarterback there. So, you know, I just, you worry about the, the injury there. That That's what would give me pause. But the momentum they have right now, I think that's what makes them so dangerous in this moment. So I would pick Alabama right now. Um, but, Bill, I think you're going to be in for a very, very good game. I don't think this is going to be a blowout by any stretch. I don't think it's going to be a blowout either. I think it's going to be a great game. If you would have asked me before the Sugar Bowl who's going to win the title, I would have said Alabama and not thought I twice too. about it. Yeah. Yep. And now I'm thinking twice about it. <laughs> so. Yeah, I mean, that's that's what they've done, right? They, Ohio State has given us a little bit of pause when we're making these picks. Um, and, yeah, if they play like they did last week against Clemson, I don't know, Bill. You might just be uh, writing some different stories about Ohio State winning a national title. I think I think that's possible. Um Keep it tuned in to The Athletic. Make sure you subscribe. You can read uh, my coverage heading in the national title game. Aaron Suttles, our Alabama writer, um, our national writers as well, will have you uh, covered on, on the national title game. And, and you know, the teams during the offseason too, like like Audrey's coverage of Penn State too, I think are just as interesting as, as they try to head into out of, out of a weird 2020 and into what is hopefully a more normal 2021. And keep it locked in with the big football show the rest of the week. Uh, Mitch Sherman and Scott Dockerman will be back on Wednesday. And Ari Wasserman and Jesse Temple will be back on Friday with their picks, including their pick. I guess this is the only game. This is their pick. There's the only game left to pick is a national title game. So they'll have picks for that. Um, Colton Pouncey and Austin Meek also on Thursday with whatever the hell is going on in the state of Michigan right now. Cause I don't think anybody knows. <laughs> um, I don't think Jim Harbaugh knows no and that's a problem. That's a problem for the Wolverines. So there's still plenty going on around the big 10. Um, in addition to Ohio state playing in the national title game, but that game will be on January 11th, Monday night. Ohio State versus Alabama at Hard Rock Stadium uh, in Miami. I'll be there. It should be a good one. Uh, Thanks for listening to the Big Football Show.